Hey, welcome back to Mon Men. I am Yanata Blue here once again with Michael Darling, as always, and we've got a very special guest. It's my brother, everybody. It's bring your family to the pod. Day. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Ricky Darling here. Two Darlings and two Blues. Before we dive into the show, Ricky, can you tell us a little bit about your background with Pokemon, given your brother's illustrious uh, professor-level knowledge of the franchise? By the way, those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, Baloo doesn't have multiple personalities. His dog is in the room. <laughs> As you can tell. Um, I Let's see. My Pokemon background, uh, I think uh, the most notable element of our uh, Pokemon history together with Michael is um, when you show me the picture of Brock with eyes. Uh, <laughs> yes. And that's that's just something that's kind of, you know, ingrained in my brain to this day. Um, I think we, we had a fair amount of battles back in the day. Uh, it was a staple of Saturday morning TV in our house uh, up until about last week. And, um, yeah, uh, it's I, I can't say that I've kept up with all the uh, – latest and greatest in the Pokemon world, but I'm excited to uh, maybe learn something today. Get back right. into it. Well, there's over 800 of them, and they're growing still. Okay. Wow. But we're still in that first generation nostalgia. Back when you were playing Pokemon Yellow with Mr. Fang, the Pikachu. Oh, that it was a great day when I got the uh, special edition Game Boy Color. Oh, yeah. So I was not actually referring to Cordy as the other blue. I was actually referring to Mon Mare for a game of Mon Mom. Ricky, would you like to play? I'd love to play. So in the interest as the uh, somewhat corrupt commissioner of this game that I am, like of, Gary keeping, Bettman. of keeping this game interesting, I he only did said some, somewhat corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> I did some review of the Mon Mom scoreboard and found that two of the points on the scoreboard in Mr. Darling's favor uh, were actually won before we started having co-hosts on the show in the what I've come to refer to as the dark ages of the podcast. The before times. The before times. Um, so we're going to adjust the scoreboard one last time before the end of this first generation set, and we are entering this game at 9-6, to six, still in Michael Darling's favor with a very solid lead, but that does keep the co-host chair in competition. Uh, Ricky, are you ready? I'm ready, Baloo. Michael? I'm ready, Baloo. Okay. So to review for this... We that in unison and make it creepy. <laughs> so Plenty to... of time for that. So to review, this week we'll be talking about... Uh, batch of first and single stage evolutions. Uh, we'll be talking about Pinsir, Tauros, Magikarp, Gyarados, and Lapras. So my mother is going to describe one of these Pokemon. She's going to give it a name, and our two other hosts will compete to see who can guess which one she's talking about. Are we ready? Yep. Ready. All right, here we go. This Pokemon looks like a prehistoric centipede. I will name it Dipta. Okay. As always, we ask Michael Darling to go first so our guest host can play defensively or aggressively. So wait, what was the name? It sounded like Ditka. Dipta. Dipta. I know, it sounded like Ditka. Is your mom a big Bears fan? Not Bears. I wish. But no, her knowledge is apparently widespread and very vast. What does she not... think about Andrew Luck retiring? That's what I want to know. You know, I haven't reached out to her for comment yet. It seems like she was hit pretty hard by the news. She's been quiet for the past 24 hours. <laughs> what does she think about what Doug Gottlieb thinks about Andrew Luck retiring? <laughs> I'm sure she has thoughts. <laughs> Tune in next week as my, <laughs> as my mom guest hosts on my in imitation of the Bill Simmons podcast. <laughs> uh, so, yes, it's my call. Um, a prehistoric centipede, you say. 
I mean, there's only one that really has multiple body parts, you know, or the length, rather. So I'm just going to go all in on Gyarados here. Gyarados, okay. Gyarados, interesting. <laughs> what happens if we both have the same guess? We both so get you a point. Both get a point. Both so that's point. why you get to play defensively and either mimic his guess or and keep the, keep the distance the same, or you can guess differently and try to play more aggressively and steal a point. Well, I, I hate to make this non-interesting from the start, but I'm going to agree with Michael here and go with Gyarados as well. The defensive play was the correct play this week because Gyarados is the answer. And to explain the logic, she actually spelled this one out for me when I said prehistoric centipede. I appreciate when Question she spells mark. it out because then that explains lovely Flintstones. You were right with the segmented body being the inspiration for the centipede thought. And the reason why it's prehistoric is because she says it hasn't evolved legs yet. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. There. So that brings us, we'll get to Gyarados later in the episode. But for now, let's start off with Pinsir. Michael, if you will. All right. Pinsir. Pinsir, Pinsir, Pinsir is a bug type. Uh, and then it gets a mega evolution in the sixth generation where it becomes bug slash flying. And you can first encounter it in the Safari Zone, but exclusively in the blue version. So yeah, so we're going to dive into some uh, pretty inappropriate territory right out the gate here for, with my opinion on this design, which is that I just think that the weird segmented body just looks like a bunch of anal beads put together in a weird way. Or kind of like those little like magnet ball toys. That you kind of have that you kind of see on really fancy office desks. I kind of see what you mean, but it still just looks like a bug to me. Yeah, like, it's a very anal beady bug. It also looks like that uh, that robot from the first scene in uh, Big Hero Six hmm. with the underground robot fighting hmm. that a uh, hero uses to hustle the robot fighting. Hmm. I've actually never seen Big Hero Six, so you lost me here. Really? Yeah, Ricky. I, I think the series went downhill after Big Hero Four. <laughs> <laughs> He's a purist. When he fought the Russians. <laughs> yes. I mean, personally, I've only ever been a fan of Mambo's numbers one through three. I think Lubega really sold out after four and five. <laughs> so we're back to another surprisingly terrifying Pokemon in terms of the lore. I was kind of shocked. I mean, it'd be kind of a waste to have these huge horns with those spikes on it and not have it do something terrifying. But apparently Pinsir are just widely known. This is less surprising than Victory Bell, but it's known as like a gory, terrifying predator that apparently kills its prey by ripping it in half. Yeah. I love that. I love also, like, it references, like, if it can't squeeze the prey, it'll uh, just, you know, crush it or swing it, which reminds me of uh, Machoke. No, uh, Machop is known to throw, like, oh, things yeah. as heavy as people, which I think is beautiful lore. Yeah, I mean, this would be less terrifying because there are beetles that actually do that, like rhinoceros beetles and other things that'll do that, but those things are, like, three inches long at longest and so they're talking about okay it's like ripping you know another two inch bug in half or something like that this thing is five feet tall it is oh. picking up a human child <laughs> <laughs> that just changed your opinion on it didn't you Ricky? yeah that's that's one thing when uh you know looking at these on a sheet of paper it uh, doesn't really put them into context size wise so um that's uh terrifying yeah, it's, a, it's one of those things where, like, the classic scale question is that this thing is apparently just a few inches shorter than a Charizard. Like, people assume a Charizard is much bigger than it actually is, and I guess that because this is a bug, you'd assume, oh, it's probably, like, what, two feet tall, which put which would put it just under punchable height. But the fact that it's five feet tall means this thing is a straight-up punching hazard. I do not want my arm anywhere near it. Oh, I think it would be a great hugger. It looks like it could be a great hugger if it doesn't bring the giant horns in. I think it could be. It would just be a very painful hug, but, mm. but still endearing nonetheless. 
I'm just thinking of uh, who's the SNL alum that played the cannibal that guest starred as the cannibal on a few episodes of Brooklyn Nine Nine. It'd basically be like oh, I basically uh, Tim Tim Meadows. Yes, thank you. Yeah, hugging a pincer would basically be like every time Andy Samberg is near Tim Meadows because it'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I want to hug you, but you're gonna chop me in half. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> That was a great character. Yeah, they had him back on recently. I don't know if you've been keeping up with the show oh, since yeah. it went to NBC. It's still superb. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they had him guest star as a uh, character, kind of like a Hannibal Lecter type of like character witness while they were hunting another potential cannibal. Um, but the great thing is that he's such a wonderful, jovial Tim Meadows. Charming type. Tim Meadows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just, but also, you know, he's kind of a cannibal. Like, don't come near me or I will try to bite you. <laughs> yep. And then they do multiple times because he's just so endearing. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite Tim Meadows roles was as the uh, Lackawanna County representative on The Office when uh, Michael and Jan went to Chili's with him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. one of the better first season episodes. Yeah. Well, and it also kind of it also kind of validates a theory that I've long held with The Office, which is that Michael Scott, one thing that you have to watch The Office with in context is that Michael Scott is actually very good at his job. <laughs> like, people kind oh, of yeah. underplay that. He's a total ass, don't get me wrong, but he's very good at his job. Well, I think people have said, like, he would be a great salesman and probably was, and then he got bumped up to the managerial position, mm-hmm. which is not where he should have been ever. Which is honestly reflective of a lot of American corporate culture, yep. which is that... Just because somebody is good at doing the job, a lot of American companies assume that they must then be good at managing people doing the job, which is not the same thing. Um, but yeah, so Michael Scott's just case in point of that. But actually, he was even good as a manager because throughout the show, while Dunder Mifflin was suffering, their branch was repeatedly the one branch that was successful. That's true. Anyway, since I know that you guys are probably rewatching The Office before Netflix takes it down, mm. this feels a little bit more pertinent of a thing to bring up. Pour and one out. You know, watch The Office instead of watching uh, Friends. That's another recommendation. Cause wow, more, two weeks in a row. Hey, friends hate. As I've said last week and in weeks before, don't watch Friends. Watch Living Single because that was the original show. Bingo. We've got our uh, we've got our running themes on the show. Um, but yeah, I did have. I did have a I did have a reference in the notes here asking what kind of bear is best. Apparently, the po- in Pokemon, it's the bug kind that can tear you in half. So wait, how do bears come in here? It's a Dwight. It's a Dwight Schrute oh, reference yeah. when Jim is imitating Dwight. What oh, kind yeah. of bear is best? Bears, bears beats Battlestar Battle Galactica. Galactica. Anyway, yeah, I think this design's great. It's terrifying. It gets even more terrifying when it mega evolves uh, because it gets wings and has sharper horns and has crazy yellow eyes that are just kind of like segmented. I love it. So it gets like so. It's one of the few bug Pokemon that actually has like insect-like eyes. Like it has like the compound eyes. Uh no, I mean because you could kind of make a case that Butterfree has compound eyes. Mm. Uh, but no, it's like its eyes turn yellow and then have. I don't want to call them slits, but they are clearly divided by lines in the eye. Mm. But with one clearly having the normal iris there. Does Pinsir have lips? <laughs> no, so the design looks to me like it has mandibles. I see, I see it as like a predator-style mouth, mm-hmm. which is just absolutely terrifying to me. And it's the only Pokemon with that. Every other Pokemon has like some kind of a human-like mouth. Right. Or it's a weird thing like Magnemite that there's no clear reason how it eats. Like Yeah, in some of the more recent games, they've added a feature where you can feed berries and things to your Pokemon to make them happier. Mm-hmm. And so with Pinsir, you just see just like the little mandibles, I guess we'll call them, mm-hmm. uh, just going like onto the berry, and it's the weirdest thing. I mean, cut to Pinsir appearing in the show, and then 
Andrew Schwarzenegger from the original Predator saying, you are an ugly motherfucker. <laughs> Andrew Schwarzenegger? Sorry, did I not say Arnold Schwarzenegger? No, you said Andrew Schwarzenegger. Well, keep it in. Yeah. It's a good guy. I'll leave it in. <laughs> Andrew Schwarzenegger, his lesser known brother. Andy Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Andy Schwartz. It's kind of the Billy Baldwin of the Schwarzeneggers. <laughs> <laughs> what a slam. You had two other Baldwins you could have gone with. Well, Steven, who's the other? Because Adam is not actually related to him. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I, I was surprised when I learned that, too. I thought there were four Baldwin brothers. That's the uh, that's the knowledge I've always gone with. Alex, Steve, Billy, Eric? Coming up. Better know a Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to have a special Baldwin pod. <laughs> I always love like the brothers of celebrities who try. This is fitting for you being here, Ricky. The brothers of celebrities. Not a slam on you. Uh, the brothers no, of celebrities. Brothers who of then celebrities. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I invite you onto my podcast, and this is how you treat me. Uh, yeah, the brothers of celebrities who then try to pursue that same career. Like, uh, we all know Frank Stallone, Steve, uh, Sylvester Stallone's brother, mm. or Patrick or Swayze had a brother. don't well. all know Frank Stallone. <laughs> the Belushi brothers, to the yeah. point where I can't remember which one is the actual, like, beloved Belushi. I just know that The they're... dead one. Well, the well fact I know Jim or John. John like, I always, I always Jim, get the name. I always get the names mixed up Well, it's easy to remember because one had a sitcom, according to Jim. Which was awful. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, John is the dead beloved one. Uh, Patrick Swayze had a brother whose name escapes me, but he tried to do an acting career as well. I, I take it he did not stock the earth like a god. <laughs> They're the no. sisters Deschanel that each kind of have very unique, different niches yeah. for themselves, They're too. They're both doing all right. Yeah. yeah. Interestingly, their mother was also an actor, and their father was a cinematographer, Caleb Deschanel. Huh. Both of whom worked on Twin Peaks. Interesting. Yeah. And the uh, the Mara twins, the Mara, not they're not twins, the Mara yeah. sisters, Rooney and Zoe, uh, Kate, Kate, who's Zoe Mara? No idea. Is this so, like the Olsen's made that she's up? She's the Cooper Manning of the group. <laughs> and, then of like course, the and then of course, triplet. and then of course the Olsen tri- tri- triplets. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, so this is an interesting callback because last episode I pointed out a bunch of callbacks to previous episodes, but this episode we have one in the shiny coloration of this one, Mr. Darling. Oh, yeah, the shiny's great. It's purple with gold horns. Oh. I'll show you a photo later. It's great. Uh, So basically it looks like the Minnesota Vikings. Ah. Yeah. (laughs) Previous guest host uh, Ethan Hallstrom pointed out that the Pokemon universe, like, broke the fourth wall to acknowledge the Minnesota Vikings in an episode long ago. It was in the movie. Remember this, Ricky? There was some... In the movie with Mewtwo, the one that was released in theaters that everybody saw for your birthday. That's right. Uh, (laughs) Got the 1030 matinee at Century City. Woo! Man. Uh, So... There was some reference to a Viking, and I think Brock says, like, I didn't know Vikings were still around. And Ash says, they're mostly in Minnesota. Oh. Yeah. So this is a really weird localization joke. Yeah, so this kind of coloration, so I have a running theory, and I think this is borne out. In again, once again in this episode, that shinies reflect how popular and beloved the Pokemon are by the company and just at large mm-hmm. in the overall lore. So shitty Pokemon tend to have shitty shinies. Um, Dugong being the poster child of the mm. shitty shiny theory. Um, and I love the unintentional alliteration there, so I'm coining that now as the official. <laughs> okay, yeah. I just showed Ricky a photo of the shiny pincer. Do you have one in your Pokemon Go collection? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, um, Dugong Shiny is cream-colored as opposed to its natural pure white. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So it's just kind of, like, dirty. So it's just, like, you couldn't even tell if you had a Shiny unless you saw, like, the little graphic. You have to squint. Yeah, yeah, that type of thing. Well, it's, like, well, it is weird because, like, Krabby, no one really likes Krabby, and its Shiny is 
pretty boring because here's your normal orange and then kind of a faded yellow. Yeah. But then the shiny Kingler winds up getting a very cool Game Boy tint. We discussed this a couple huh. episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, the list goes on. I believe your theory, but I think also sometimes there are personal faves within the company that they're like, we'll go a little bit more for this one. Yeah. And there have been weird exceptions to the rule that I can't remember off the top of my head. But I do love this. I do love this shiny. I think it's really cool. And honestly, like, I'm glad that we have some terrifying Pokemon like this in the lore, especially like if you're going to give it such badass accents like three foot tall spiked horns. <laughs> like, yeah, let's have that actually be for some gore and some like predatory nature as opposed to, you know, oh, it uses this to shave the bark off of trees that it eats. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it eats people. Okay, it doesn't canonically, but it could. I mean, we'll get back to that with Mon's world with Mon World, but uh but Ricky, you got any closing thoughts on this pincer thing for us? Again, just the, the lack of lips throws me off a little bit. But uh, <laughs> I 100% just think it's a predator face. Like, I like that you went specifically with lips. Because, like, birds don't have lips. I don't know. I was just kind of looking Goldine at it. I like, lips. You're, you're really drawn That's to the, a bird. the fangs well, it, and then, a uh, that had lips. just the logistics of it all kind of th- confused me a little bit. Yeah. I, I can suspend disbelief. It's a terror. I love it. Staying in the Safari Zone, let's move on to Tauros, which is a normal type that you first encounter, as I kind of hinted at, in the Safari Zone. And it's boring. Yep. This is uh, this is another case of Krabby Syndrome, where it is a bull. That's it. That's the Pokemon. With three tails. Yeah. Which is a design charm, which is a charm point so subtle, you I didn't even notice it until it was, until I read it in Bulbapedia, putting the notes together for this, and then scrolled back up to the photo and was like, huh. Hmm. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you know? Well, I've always noticed it just because it's a clear like bull whip pun going on. But yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but yeah, it's not great. It's it's just there. I mean, <laughs> now that just makes me think of the fact that like, it, could you imagine how furious I would be if the next evolution of Tauros was just a bull with more tails? <laughs> <laughs> well, <it's... laughs> like, what else do you do to this thing? That's why it doesn't have an evolution. It's literally too boring. To have an evolution. Yeah. That's why it's single stage. Yeah, well, in Gen 5, they add another bull Pokemon uh, that is amazing. I'm pulling it up right now for the, uh, for the, uh, um, for my co-host here. Uh, Buffalant. It is basically a buffalo with bigger horns, so like a longhorn, and a fucking afro. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, see, that's so much more interesting because they really play with, like, emphasizing and just increasing the features and proportions that we think of with like a buffalo yeah whereas this is just a buffalo that has you know some metallic elements and three tails but otherwise it's a buffalo yeah ultimately i think that's way more interesting this guy the other thing i pointed out is that in the show this is one of those rare pokemon that doesn't say its own name um which kind of throws a wrench in the whole our pokemon did we name pokemon or did we just start referring to them by the sounds we hear them making uh this guy just makes standard bull noises which yeah they couldn't even be bothered to have it say its own name it was just like it's literally just a bull like can it do anything see look look at this it's it's killing our momentum right now too (laughs) which is ironic for a bull you think in well we'll get to this in mon's world but i'm sure that they have the running of the tauros 
in whatever Pokemon Spain is. Okay, well, there is there is one interesting note about this I wanted to bring up, which is a bit of a Pokedex lore about this thing. And reminder before we jump into this that we are the hashtag no kink shaming Pokemon podcast. All you other podcasts that get a little touchy about this sort of thing. Uh, in the lore, po- speaking back to its tails, it is pointed out that this Pokemon uses its whips itself with its tails to get itself into an angry frenzy. Um, so yeah, so I mean, some people are into that. Yeah. If you are, you know, well, just like, make sure you exercise healthy uh, BDSM and Dom sub relationships of well, consent. It's like that and albino monk from the Da Vinci Code. Mm. I haven't seen the Da Vinci Code. Or read it, even. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, it okay. was a book. It was a beach read once upon a time. <laughs> yeah. Um, only thing I've got to say about this is uh, what's interesting is that we'll meet Miltank the cow in Gen Two. And it seems that these two Pokemon are related, if not like directly, at least they're always grouped together as being connected. Because uh, in Sun and Moon's Pokedex, all Pokemon families were grouped together, uh, and Tauros and Miltank were one of only two pairs of non-directly related, so like didn't evolve from each other or share a common evolution, Pokemon grouped together. So clearly the Pokemon company thinks there's something important about connecting these two. Hmm. Well, it's, yeah, because like... Tauros is a bull and Militank is a cow, so male-female kind of thing. And I mean, it's just kind of playing up on the extreme thing that people think cows, that some people don't know that cow is the term for a female of a given broader species of bovine. Um, Question for you guys, and I already think I know what Michael Darling's answer is because he's too cool for this sort of thing, but Ricky, have you ever watched an anime series called Kill la Kill? I can't say that I have. (laughs) Okay. I bring it up because they're speaking to like the whole self-masochism thing. It, there's a character... Kill a Kill is a great, acid-trippy, just psychedelic, tri- like, satire of every anime trope you could possibly think of as far as, like, fighting genre and action genre animes. And there is, like, one character in, like, a big fight scene who has the spe- whose special ability is that he just absorbs punishment, hmm. demands it, in fact, quite emphatically, and then returns the energy twofold that you whip out onto him. And when... Our heroine realizes that, hey, I'm not going to play into that. I'm just not going to hit you. He says, oh, well, I can whip myself and just proceeds. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God. Of and course. he does. And there, the language, there's no, it's not even innuendo. It's like, I can bring myself to, <laughs> to climax. <laughs> I can bring myself to full release. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> All right. So since we have nothing to say about Tauros, I'm going to change the topic completely in that I... Knew we'd need something else to discuss, and we have a rare product plug here on the pod. We are not being paid for this, unfortunately. But Yet. I picked up a bag of Trolley Sour Bright Weird Beards, quote-unquote James Harden edition. So these are gummies shaped like human heads with James Harden beards, mm. and we're going to open them up and try them here on the pod. So let's just have a little fun here. We're going to take some snacks, because who wants to talk about Tauros, hey. honestly? Snack Taku, eat your hearts out. <laughs> um, so, first off, first review of this damn thing is I'm going to say that this does not look like. I guess I could see where it's supposed to be like Harden's whole head. You're trying to figure out which end is up. Well, I mean, on my particular piece, like, so it is oval shaped and like just clear line for the listeners. And like the top half is red and then the bottom two thirds is yellow. And it is coated in that kind of like sugary sour dust. Wait, I think you might be holding it upside down because 
I think the beard is supposed to be the square end. I mean, and there's a, a nose in the middle. There is literally an indentation to indicate a nose. This kind of takes me back to those old school, like, or like late '80s, early '90s, like cheap cereals that they would release for every Saturday morning cartoon show. Mm. Mm. Like C-3PO's, mm-hmm. Urkelos, the Spider-Man cereal. That was the shit. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the piece, of, like the marshmallows, did not look anything like anything. Like everything was so terribly shaped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, but it was honestly, definitely a squint, and it's recognizable as a thing, allegedly. But I will say, I'm not a huge fan of sour candies usually, but. This stuff is great, um, and much much more interesting than Tauros, I will say that. All right. Ricky, well, your thoughts? I'm afraid they might just be repurposed Easter Island uh, sour gummies that from Ooh. the uh, little-known little promotion that Trolley ran back in the 90s. <laughs> I mean, that's a... Uh, that's a really smart move on their part. <laughs> They've been waiting for a celebrity with a beard that looks kind of like a Maori head. I mean, Wait, you'd uh, be... Moai head. Where, I mean, that sort of thing happens all the time. That's how Nan- You know that's how Nantucket Red Pants came into being? Kind of. Like, very similar thing. We're from the West Coast. We have no idea what that is. Okay, so Nantucket Reds are a shorts. If you've seen, like, picture a dude at a yacht club and picture the pink shorts that he's probably wearing with boat shoes and, like, a button-down shirt tucked into them with, like, the lace ropey belt holding them up. That particular pink short um, is the result of a guy on Nantucket Island had, had, like, made, like, a whole run of what he thought were going to be great summer shorts (laughs) that were originally red. They did not sell. They got stuck in the warehouse for like five years. He ended up going bankrupt, sold the warehouse, and then whatever debt collector owned the warehouse and was trying to flip it, sold sold the warehouse with everything in it, including these five-year-old faded pants that somebody bought, remarketed as Nantucket Red, and then they started selling. Even like though they were pinkish. Yeah, so they were, well, I mean, you need a name for the well, shade. It's yeah. Nantucket Red. Yeah. It's like Forum um, Blue. Yeah, same thing can be said, actually. What is this? Are we doing the whole Cerulean scene from the Devil Wars Prada? Yeah, same thing happened with uh, Fireball Whiskey. Um, Fireball Whiskey was originally sold <laughs> as as uh, Cinnamon Schnapps. Huh, and then because it, it didn't sell like that, they rebranded it as Fireball Whiskey, repackaged it, re-released it, and then, boom, you've got a viral marketing sensation for, like, one summer back in 2000. 10 i want to say yeah these are tasty but yeah like you know they're not if i want a sour gummy i'm probably still gonna stick with your good tried and true sour patch kid yeah i mean i'm mm. a gummy bear traditionalist i'm i'm big on a uh, haribo just straight up gummy bears but the peaches are very underrated uh peaches are nice yeah Hard on gummy worms Ooh, i like the uh the gummy sodas oh yeah yeah like the cola bottles See, I'm very, I'm very OCD about the gummy worms. I never eat them all in one piece. I have to bite them in half and eat each half separately. <laughs> so you're gonna do that with the James Harden beards? No, no, no. I have to respect James Harden. The man's got a great three-point game. I got to respect the numbers <laughs> he puts up. So you eat him entirely. So respect for the game. But I want to point out this is the first time we've done a tangent with a physical prop in the room. <laughs> it's great radio. Thank you. Yeah. I know. Us eating. I mean, there is a podcast, uh, Mike and Tom Eat Snacks, which is uh, Michael Ian Black and Tom Cavanaugh eating snacks and reviewing them. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's precedent. So, yeah, nice. so we're just shouting out other podcasts right now. Um, let's talk about another MVP. This is the MVP, one of the other MVPs we've been waiting for, for oh, since God. day one. Michael Darling, tell us about Magikarp. There's so much to say about this one. This is, it's the antithesis of the Tauros. Magikarp is pure water. And where do you find it? Basically fucking everywhere that there's water once you get the old rod. Because that's the only thing that you will get when you get the old rod. 
And you can also buy one for 500 Poke Dollars from a Magikarp salesman at the Route 4 Poke Center. And I think that's the only time that you encounter some guy who's going to directly sell you a Pokemon. And for that to be a complete waste of money. Yeah. And here's the thing. Some brilliant soul out on the internet has released what is the definitive treatise on Magikarp. Mm -hmm. And so Blue and I are going to share some of that with you. All right. So I'll start us off quick. What is the most powerful Pokemon in the world? Arceus? Wrong. It's motherfucking Magikarp, stupid ass. It's such a stupid little fish. It's so weak and useless. Why is it so ugly and dumb? Get that dick out of your ear and pay attention, goddammit. 71% of the planet's surface is water. 80% of life in the water is Magikarp. 100% of Magikarp's body is pure pain. No matter where you go, you will not be safe. Let's give you some simple numbers so you can comprehend just how fucked you are. 20 base HP. 10 base attack. 80 base speed. If it's raining, then its speed doubles. Sweet Gandhi's tits, that's terrifying. Well, guess what? We're just getting warmed up. It's time to show you the deadly attacks Magikarp can use. Splash, a Magikarp that lives for years can use this to leap over mountains. You can't even walk over one without losing your breath. Tackle, that's 10 kilograms of solid death being thrown right at your face. Flail, if you can somehow get Magikarp to 1 HP, this move gets a base power of 200. That sound is your bowels, leaving your body to in sheer terror. Bounce, because fuck your grass types. As a bonus, Magikarp becomes even more invincible than it normally is for one turn. Just look at this majestic son of a bitch. I would have hot, sweaty sex with that fish. That's your mother. If that's somehow not orgasmic enough for you, look at its shiny form. Solid gold, motherfucker! Every single word in that title is literal. Hey, put your pants back on. We're not done yet. Speaking of orgasmic, Magikarp is in the Dragon Egg group. That means that the following Pokemon are lining up to have sex with it. Charizard, Arbok, Dragonite, Salmence, Garchomp, Haxorus, Hus, Grudgigon. This is in addition to anything vaguely fish-shaped, and it creates even more Magikarp. Here's another terrifying stat for you, pussy. The highest level a Pokemon can reach is 100. Only one Pokemon can be found in the wild at this level. Guess who? Jesus Christ! Hey, I know what you anal devastated self is thinking. Magikarp can't be perfect. It has to have a flaw. You're right. It does have one terrible downside. Its evolution is complete garbage. Not that it matters anyway. The B button was invented for a reason. Get a Magikarp! Thank you. We will link to that in the show notes, folks. Oh, it's a thing of beauty, and I'm very glad that we got to address that. Because it is, I think, the definitive commentary on Magikarp. But, yeah, so this guy is straight up water. You find him everywhere. And he is a pain in the ass to level up. Um, Rickster, you've heard what we've thought about based on what the internet thinks about it. What do you think of Magikarp? Let's start with you. So a whole lot more interesting than Tauros. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were definitely just trying to suffer through Tauros for that one. There's a reason we went to the gummies. But yeah, Magikarp is kind of... And I was wondering about this. I was trying to think of what other gaming tropes this represents. Well, what other games use this trope of hiding something supposedly awesome, because let's face it, Gyarados is not that awesome, uh, behind just an obscene grind. Do you remember what you had to do to get Magikarp to level up in the game, usually? Remind me. Since it, Because it didn't have any actual moves like that you could use to fight with, you had to like it put had it... It tackle. 
if you found one with tackle. Well, it gains it like I think at level eleven or something. Okay. But still, yeah. you're stuck with splash from level five or whatever. Yeah. So you had to like put it in the front end of your party and do that annoying thing where you open the battle with it, then immediately switch it out to another Pokemon that you then use and it has to share the XP. And it was just like even more grindy than leveling up your Pokemon was before, because especially in the red and blue generation, we didn't have things like XP share and stuff like that. Oh, we had it. It was just a pain because you it was always on, basically. Like, you basically had to put it in the PC because otherwise it was going to be sapping XP from the Pokemon you want to level up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was just a huge grindy mess. And I mean, Pokemon Go actually... It's kind of a tradition at this point that even Pokemon Go carried it over with how annoying a Magikarp is to level up. Like, it takes so much Magikarp candy. Yeah, 400 when normally it takes, like, maybe 25 to 100 to level up a Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah, it is absurd. It is hilarious that, like, level 20, that's a lot lower than I would have expected. But I guess the designers knew that we don't want to make the players suffer too much. Yeah, the one game that came to mind in terms of, like, weirdly putting power behind obscene grinding was Final Fantasy X. I don't know if either of you guys played this, but in every other Final Fantasy game, you get a character's ultimate weapon, you have their ultimate weapon, that's it. It's the ultimate weapon. In Final Fantasy X, they did this stupid thing where you not only had to find the weapon itself, but you also had to find two little markers for each weapon to unlock the power first to medium power and then to full power and it was just absurd the kinds of activities that were tucked behind this stuff like one of them was like literally dodging 200 lightning bolts in a row oh for fuck's sake in a lightning storm area um another one was playing like the game's blitz ball terrible like i don't even know how to describe it it was like playing a 3d version of tecmo bowl for sega genesis yeah and it was just so they made you play a side game in order to level up your weapon basically yeah and that was only and that was one thing to get one of the two markers to level up waka's weapon like you still had to do another activity to then fully power up waka's level but like once you did do all that grinding the power that you unlocked in the weapon was obscene which is not quite as uh, much of a payoff as you get from magikarp i mean granted i love gyarados the prehistoric centipede of a pokemon (laughs) but it's ultimately, it really is like a little bit disappointing because you think it's your first dragon type, but we will find out that it is not nope. quite. I feel like Magikarp has dangerously small pupils. <laughs> well, that's part of the appeal, I think, is like, it looks like a complete idiot. Yeah. Yeah. It's another dumb Pokemon. It's just, it is just a single-minded carp that is it's just trying to... It's not another dumb Pokemon. It is the dumb Pokemon. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of like the vacant stare of like coughing and wheezing mm. mainly. Like the fact that coughing is not really motivated by anything except to float and just spew gas. <laughs> hey, that's a dream. Magikarp <laughs> is trying to flop and splash. <laughs> but poorly. I'm just going to go straight to the Pokedex here because the Pokedex absolutely hates this guy and I love it. Uh, in the original ones, red and blue, it says, In the distant past, it was somewhat stronger than the horribly weak descendants that exist today. Here are some other great praise from the Pokedex for Magikarp. Very unreliable. Underpowered. Pathetic. Weak and pathetic. A pathetic excuse for a Pokemon. I'm picking up a theme here. Virtually useless in battle. Easily washed away by currents, so it's not even good at swimming. Uh, it is the most weak and pathetic Pokemon in the world. No one knows why it has managed to survive. And then Sun and Moon, though, turn things around and say, although weak and helpless, this Pokemon is incredibly fertile. 
They exist in such multitudes, you'll soon grow tired of seeing them. True. Uh, and its reckless leaps make it easily easy pickings for predators. On the bright side, many Pokemon enjoy longer lifespans thanks to Magikarp. So yeah. it's just like, this Pokemon is only good as a food source. I love it. And it's also straight up cyberbullied by the 11 and 10 year olds that are writing the Pokedex entries. <laughs> the one thing I do want to point out, though, is that this kind of follows in line with uh, with Duck with Stick. I know we're giving, we're kind of coming, like to come down on one side of Magikarp. I really like the design. It is, on the one hand, it is very clearly just a fish, but it has enough charm points to its like armor plating design which is kind of like a, an interesting twist on, you know, fish having scales, that it looks very armor-plated, very sturdy, very, like, yeah, if that thing were to tackle me, I could see it doing some damage. Like, some being the operative word here. <laughs> nah, not much. But, um, but you know, I think it's just interesting enough to, enough a design to fully embody, like, what the space it wants to fill in the Pokedex. And in that case, I call it a success. It's mm -hmm. not trying to be the coolest Pokemon. It is trying to be the Dumbo that you, like, suffer through to get to a Gyarados. Yeah, but Dumbo at least could fly. And this guy can leap over mountains. If it gets old enough. I mean, that's as good as flying. Yeah. <laughs> you think Magikarp would be tasty? We'll get to that. We will get to that, oh. sir. I mean, you know me. I don't eat fish. Uh, yeah. Clearly, the Pokemon Company loves Magikarp in an ironic way, because uh, they made a phone game called Magikarp Jump. That is exactly what it sounds like. I've never played it, but apparently it's delightful. Uh, although sometimes your Magikarp gets eaten by a Pidgeotto. Which we referenced back on the Birdie with the Good Hair episode. So shout out to uh, once more to the uh, the Dark Ages of the podcast. Let's go and into... Well, every game features one NPC trainer who has exactly six Magikarps. So you have to fight a battle against some rando who's just got Magikarps. And it's more pain than anything else. Because it's like, okay, this is going to be the next minute of my life. I just have to go through all of these Magikarps and then I'm done. And I get maybe 50 Poke Dollars. Yeah, you just put your Pikachu out there and have him uh, Thundershock yeah. six times in a row. But you don't even get great, uh, you don't get great experience from it because it's Magikarp. Yeah. And I mean, finally, there's an official Magikarp song, which we will play you a little sample of right now. This was released by the Pokemon Company. Totally pathetic, unreliable. So here it is, the Magikarp song. Okay, well let's uh, let's kick that Magikarp in the face, as so often happens in a variety of different outlets for the Pokemon franchise, and make it evolve into Gyarados, which is a Water Slash Flying type, and when it make it evolves, it's Water Slash Dark. Ooh. Yeah, and this is another one of those cases where I spent most of my life convinced that Gyarados was a Water Dragon type, only to find out that it is somehow flying despite displaying no capability of flight. Or any features that imply capability of flight. Yeah, how does that work? Well, the design itself is apparently based off of... Well, there's a couple things. Like, the physical design itself and why it's a flying type is based on the uh, Koinobori, a carp-shaped windstock that is flown on Children's Day in Japan. So, it kind of looks like that. Can you imagine that as a windsock? Are we sure it's not just, like, eight magic carps dressed up as a Gyarados? <laughs> it's too competent for that. It's not Vincent Adultman. <laughs> I did a business. <laughs> God, I love that concept. And that bit, that running bit about Bojack being the only person who could tell that it was three children wearing a <laughs> trench coat. Uh -huh. Although I think in later seasons it became two children wearing a trench coat. Yeah. Like, in the last episode where he broke up with Princess Carolyn. Yeah, yeah. he had to call his friend over yes. so he could do the whole thing. <laughs> 
um, yeah, they they've got to bring Vincent Adultman back as like a thirsty teenager oh for God. like a future season. That might get me back into BoJack Horseman. But yeah, Gyarados is 21 feet long. I love chances to reference real world uh, scale for this. So 21 feet, pretty damn solid. So because those kinds of like lengths can be difficult to put into proportion, imagine three Honda Civics lined up or three Toyota Corollas, depending on your brand preference. Uh, we here endorse Japanese automakers on this podcast. They make fine quality vehicles. I'm driving um, a Korean car right now. Ugh, well... Kia? Hyundai? Oh, okay. Um, We could always be swayed to endorse other types of cars. Hey, uh, Nissan, get at us. We're looking for a sponsor. Get those car dollars. (laughs) Um, Those other podcasts sponsored by Stamps.com. No, we've got wheels behind us. Yeah, so the first real-world creature that I thought of in comparison to Gyarados was uh, Crocodile. But turns out those guys don't get that long. American alligators are apparently the bigger of the two between the Nile crocodile and the American alligator. Uh, American alligators only get up to 15 feet, which is still three of either of my co-hosts lined up, give or take. Um, the I like that we're seven feet long. Oh, wait. Well, 15. Never mind. Yeah. I was focused on Gyarados. So. Everyone was just doing a little bit of mental math just then. Yeah. Welcome to, welcome to, Poke- welcome to Mon Men, the pokemon podcast that encourages you to learn math <laughs> once again um why though because it helps you keep up with what i'm about to tell you which is that uh the great white shark is the closest real world comparison because those boys get up to 21 feet so that is a one-to-one match because it is the same length that's how ratios work math lesson complete there you go great the white sharks more you know yeah great white sharks are terrifying. Remember, if you ever want to know why you should be terrified of a great white shark, because three Honda Civics in a line. Go find, uh, go find, go find a line of those. <laughs> but it's a great white shark that can somehow also fly. Yes, it's yeah. a great white shark that can also fly, like a Sharknado, if you will. Yeah, oh, we have. And then, <laughs> well, well, the other thing is, is that this thing can also breathe fire. Like it can learn a dragon move. Famously, it does learn dragon rage. Well, so it learns. Uh, flamethrower and fire blast as well. Which is just okay. Like, why? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's Krogdor the Burninator. Okay. <laughs> so, the other thing I want to point out with the evolution thing is the fact that, like, I, I said introducing this Pokemon, we have multiple instances of Magikarp being abused into evolving into Gyarados. And even James on the show from Team Rocket abused his Magikarp into evolving into a Gyarados that then attacked them all. Yeah, we see this in Pokemon Snap and Detective Pikachu as well. Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder why Ma- like, why Magikarp is at all fucked with in this universe. Like, how is this not common knowledge? Like, like if I have so much arbitrary zoological knowledge, you'd think that these Pokemon people would know, like, uh, how, like, you walk into a red lobster and you see a Magikarp in the fish tank. <laughs> I am immediately asking the hostess, what fucking level is that Magikarp? If it is on 19, I do not want to risk it getting the XP it needs to level up while I'm eating. <laughs> While you're eating, you're eating it raw, live. I don't. Actually. I like sushi, and I don't yeah, care. But you're eating it live if it's like nineteen while you're eating it. That means it's still alive. That just gave me a mental image of a sushi chef trying to cut up a Magikarp for a meal, and the Magikarp getting just enough XP from flopping out of the way to evolve on the sushi chef's oh, no. kitchen plate. <laughs> oh, Gyarados would make for some good sushi if you can kill it, but yeah, before it gets you. I mean. The cheddar biscuits at Red Lobster are barely good enough to get me in there at all. If they have Magikarp in that tank, I'm not risking it, uh, ever. My girlfriend's grandmother gave her 
Shout out two, to Meg. like twenty-five dollar uh, gift cards to Red Lobster, and we were immediately thinking, where, in where LA is, is the nearest Red Lobster? Well, it's in Inglewood, ah. basically across the street from the stadium that will be. Okay. And so what was funny was we basically decided, well, we're gonna have to do it when she gets back from Michigan for Christmas at. 3.30 in the afternoon. So we had 3.30 Sunday dinner at Red Lobster. My first ever Red Lobster experience. God, that is... Knock on wood, that is a preview for retirement <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> it is the most Midwestern retiree thing I've ever done. I, I will say, I went to Marie Callender's at 4.30 on a Sunday uh, two weeks ago, and it was surprisingly packed. I mean, I will. I can't make fun of it too much. I eat at that time of day on a Sunday all the time, but usually because of hangovers. <laughs> I do want to point out another great thing about Gyarados is the original beta name. We've pointed out a lot of stupid-ass beta names on this show. This one, it honestly makes me mad that they didn't keep it. It was originally named Skullcrocken. Ooh. Yeah, which I say that from here on in the podcast, we refer to this thing as Skullcrocken. So anyway, Red Skullcrocken. Tell us about yeah. Red Skullcrocken. Well, I couldn't find any explanation as to why Gyarados is called that, which is fascinating to me because, you know, normally we get some explanation for the punny name behind Pokemon. Like Magic Carp. well, it's a carp that winds up turning into something good. It's magic. Yeah. Uh, yes, so... Uh, wait. Uh, oh, never mind. It comes from... Uh, Gakusatsu, which means massacre or slaughter, or Gakiko, uh, hardship adversity. Yeah, so I guess, and yeah, Arashi means storm, Arasoi means conflict, Odosu to threaten, so I guess all of those add up to Gyarados. So it's a very Japanese name. So this time, we're asking you to do some linguistic verbal math. So still the Pokemon podcast that encourages mathematics. But we do have some notes on the uh, on the inspiration for this evolution, because it's a pretty drastic jump from Magikarp to Gyarados. Uh, thank you to friend of the pod, Caitlin Anderson. Michael, I'll let you take this one. Uh, so the Magikarp Gyarados evolution is based on the Chinese legend of the Dragon Gate, a mythic waterfall that carp gather at to try to jump over. If a carp manages to jump over the falls, which has never happened, they will become a dragon. So props to Magikarp for pulling that off by just getting abused enough. The Pokemon universe is the place where anything can happen, though. Magic so. is real. Uh, so you hinted at this before I went on the tangent. Well, not even a tangent, but when I started looking up the name origin. Uh, Red Gyarados. Or Red Skullcracken. Skullcracken. In Gold and Silver and Crystal... They introduced the shiny versions of Pokemon, and the first one that most people saw was the Red Gyarados, because there's actively a Red Gyarados in the middle of the Lake of Rage, fittingly enough, causing trouble, and you have to either catch it or make it faint. Of course you're going to catch it. When else are you going to get a shiny? This mm -hmm. might be your only chance to get one, since there was like a 1 in 1,000-something chance. So yeah, so in tribute to this, Magikarp and Gyarados were the first shinies released in Pokemon Go, and yeah, the Red Gyarados is great oh yeah and it's just a really cool color shift design and i mean it kind of speaks to they had a pokemon with great lore that people just really attached themselves to in terms of like a cool like oh yeah the pre-evolved version uh, in, in magikarp is really lame but they attach themselves really well to like toughing it out and evolving it into a gyarados i would be really interested to know in terms of modern game data mining that they have through like wi-fi connected devices what percentage of people that play pokemon like and I think it'd be interesting data to compare it against the people who don't have the OCD to go after completing their Pokedex. Mm -hmm. How many people actually 
grind through the Magikarp to Gyarados evolution, especially yeah. among the people that aren't Gotta Catch Em All focused. Because yeah. I'm one of them. I've never been a Gotta Catch Em All guy, but I always make sure I have a Gyarados. Hmm. Interesting. Rickster, do you remember if you had a Gyarados or Magikarp or anything on your team? Do you remember your team at all from 20 years ago or so? Who were, your, um, who were your bros? My bros? What was your squad? <laughs> Are you Mark Marin now? Who were, who was your squad that who you were, were rolling up to the revolution with? It's, it's more of an entourage. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Who was your turtle? Who was my was turtle? <laughs> no, it was Magikarp. <laughs> it should have been Squirtle. It, 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 uh, Squirrel squad. Oh, Squirtle's cute, though. Oh, yeah, that's true. Whereas Turtle, it's like a turtle episode. <laughs> I don't know if that's better or worse than a Johnny Drama episode. Oof. There I never watched too- Entourage, but I understand what you're talking about. Yeah. There were just way too many of those episodes, period. Like, <laughs> I, I was like- going to say there was way too many Johnny Drama-E episodes, and then I was just like, no, there was just way too many of them in general. I like that you've, bo- you've named half of the main uh, guys, because Ari's you know, a secondary character who becomes important, I guess. Right. But you've named half of the main guys as being characters you don't like watching the episodes focused on. They... They provide color. So, <laughs> the Magikarp squad. I think we should move on to Lapras, and let's get to this Loch Nessie-style water fairy of a Pokemon. We have another arbitrary dual type here and a water ice type, but, uh, darling, where would we find this? Well, this is weird. Uh, in red, blue, and yellow, you get it as a gift from a guy in Silphco, and it's the only one in the game. And interestingly, there's a reason for this. Uh, most of the Pokedex entries throughout the series have referenced how Lapras, uh, Lapras's have been hunted to near extinction, which is why there was typically only one available. Uh, but good news from the uh, from the Sun Pokedex: these Pokemon were once near extinct due to poaching. Following protective regulations, there is now an overabundance of them. So yay, conservation worked. Yeah, and that's again we're gonna say fuck Donald Trump for his administration being pretty rampant at removing environmental protections for endangered species and other conservation efforts. Um, vote blue. That's all we've got to say about that. Um, but, you know, I do po- I do want to point out that in terms of dinosaur-inspired designs, uh, everybody goes to the T-Rex, everybody goes to the Triceratops, everybody goes to the Stegosaurus, but the Pleosaur, which is the dinosaur equivalent of this guy, which is what the Loch Ness Monster is believed to be, is that it is a Pleosaur that somehow survived through the prehistoric ages and is still alive in Lake Ness in Scotland. For that to be the go-to inspiration dinosaurically for a Pokemon is, you know, way to represent Pokemon Company. <laughs> way, way to give those alter- alternative Pokemon some, some clout. You mean alternative dinosaurs? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I like they went with a hipster dinosaur choice as war. I'm more of a Stegosaurus man myself. But yeah, like I think it's cool that they've got one that is clearly inspired by the Loch Ness Monster. It's our first real cryptid Pokemon, I guess you could say. Yeah. There's um there's a Twitter user that I'm a big fan of that does like these kinds of alternative Zodiac things. And she did one that was like an alternative Zodiac for different cryptids based on your time of year that you were born on. Um, I got to be Mothman. Oh, um, that's a good one. But Ricky, do you, have a, uh, do, you have a cri- do you know much about cryptids at all? Do you know fall- I don't. Chupacabra, even. I mean, you know, there's oh, your, there's okay. your uh, that's so your big feet. So the you know those your like, Jersey Devils, yeah. your uh, you know just those kinds of like weird, not quite... Champ, the Lake Monster of Lake Champlain, or uh, my personal favorite, Tahoe Tessie, the Tahoe Lake Monster Tessie. of Lake Tahoe. Oh, oh. wow! It, this sounds like a great rabbit hole that I will go down later. Oh yeah, it 
absolutely is. I'll try to. I'll link to that uh, Zodiac thread in the show notes if I can find it. She actually hmm. does do a good job of like collecting and saving them all in a master thread as well. So, um, and she does a lot of these overall, where she'll do them with different animals, different characters from books and stuff like that. I think most recently she did it with like lesser known marsupials. Do you remember her name? Uh, the handle is El Gato. Um, the actual user at is. L-E-L-L-E underscore M, if I'm not mistaken, but I'll double check that. That'll be in the show notes. But yeah, she's fantastic. Oh, she also did one for Pokemon as well. Nice. Um, for starters, I think I saw that one. Yeah, I think I think we tagged it in the Mon Men Pokemon uh, Twitter account, at Mon Men Pod. So you should be following. But going back to this, I mean, aside from the fact that I love the dinosaur design, I don't really have a lot to say about it. I'm glad they threw an ice type onto it to make it more interesting so it isn't just another water type. But mm. also kind of interesting that it evolved, that it has a biological saddle on its back talk about sad evolutionary like implications <laughs> that like you are destined to be <laughs> a beast of burden well here's a question for you yoshi is that a saddle or is it a shell or a hump or something see i think that's a uh, i think it's both i think it's a saddle shell yeah okay yeah okay, we're going with that yeah, you know, it's a. It started out as a shell, and then kind of over time, just evolved into more of a you know useful uh, feature into a symbiotic relationship with Mario's. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's definitely a shell because there are no other implications that it was placed on his back. Like there's no like if you're if you're gonna put a saddle on him, right? Why are there no stirrups for Mario's feet? Why is there <laughs> why are there no reins or you know bridle or anything like that for him to actually have something to hold on to other than punching Yoshi in the head? <laughs> That was the other thing that kind of ruined my childhood. Oh, yeah. Well, did you hear about this, Ricky? There was a controversy over when Yoshi goes to use its tongue, is Mario punching it in the head or is Mario pointing? Oh. With those 16-bit graphics, all you saw was white hands, so you couldn't really tell what it was supposed to be. Yikes. Like, he starts, so when you press the button for, for Yoshi to extend his tongue, Mario's hand starts in an upward position and then drops down into a punching position at the back of Yoshi's head. And it just so happens that the sprite for Yoshi, his head moves forward as hmm. if it was hit. So it seems like kind of a reflexive action, like, oh, he got punched in the back of his neck, and he's not so much sticking his tongue out as he is gagging from the sudden pain of being punched in the back of his neck. Oh, that, that took a turn. Yeah. yeah, Mario's the bad guy. I mean, Mario routinely would drop Yoshi into bottomless pits <laughs> to make certain jumps. I like that we're saying Mario as if we're not the one causing that. <laughs> I was always more of a Luigi guy. No, I, oh, I Luigi did too. Yeah, as an only child, which the two of you sitting on either side of the table from me can't identify with. Clear that we are not. Um, I, uh, yeah, I always loved getting to play as Luigi purely because I couldn't play as Luigi most of, like, 95% of the time unless somebody came over. Plus, eventually they gave Luigi the better jump. Yeah, that was interesting. They, uh, that in the first game, it was just purely a palette swap that I enjoyed seeing, and then, like, I think it was... Every other game after the original Super Mario Brothers, they differentiated them in some kind of way. Except for Super Mario Brothers 3, they went back to being identical. Yeah. Well, the short version is basically Super Mario Brothers 2, which we got here in the States, was an adaptation of another Nintendo Mario team-developed game called Doki Doki Panic. There was a tie-in for a TV promotion. Uh, and so, because Nintendo USA thought that... Hmm. Super Mario Brothers 2, the original version, which we know as the Lost Levels, was going to be too uh, hard for players because it is a difficult game that looks exactly the same as the original Mario Brothers. 
Uh, and by this point in the West, we were getting games that started to really use the NES to look less blocky and more interesting than Castlevania or something like that. So they adapted this game that the Mario team had worked on for this Japanese TV promotion, and they changed the four characters into the four main Mario characters. So Mario, Luigi, Peach, and uh, Toad. And so one of the characters in this game had the ability to jump higher, and so that became Luigi, and from that point on, Luigi had this ability to jump a little bit higher than Mario. So that's when they finally differentiated Mario and Luigi as opposed to being just two Michaels. They suddenly became Michael and Ricky. Oh, just yeah. like we're finally doing on episode 20. So here we go. Wow. Now, we have, now, we have our, now we have our second dar- super darling brother. Um, <laughs> can I make a quick aside about our yeah. snack of the day? Oh, you always can. Do, do you think that someone on James, Har- James Harden's team, like his you know management team, had to approve the rendering of the gummy beards like was there an email that came across harden's agent's desk one day that was just like a picture of the proposed are you talking about the actual product or you talking about the mock-up on the The actual product like someone had to say yeah that's good enough i'm sure they had to send him a sample of like here's what the product would look like because you have to be able to get like a quality test approval because before you sign your name off on something it really it's not even close but someone had to say, yeah, that's I think fine. In the context of the bag, I would say, yeah, that's James Harden. But if you but, just gave me these heads without any context, I would just be like, okay, it's a head. I mean, correct me on the duration of his contract or where he stands in the progress on his contract, but I believe he's three years, or no, I think he's about to start his third year of five into a quarter billion dollar contract. So I'm not too worried about the impact on this long-term <laughs> investment portfolio that a poorly rendered beard might have. <laughs> but, yeah, it's funny that, like, the front image of the beards is so much more detailed and pronounced. It's not even, like, weirdly detailed, but, like, there's a pronounced beard. Oh, yeah. There's, like, a smile on it. There are eyes and a very, like, pronounced nose with a bridge, whereas, like, you heard that Michael and I were discussing which side is the beard. <laughs> <laughs> I am basing it just on the fact that the nose is clearly pointed in a way. There was a little bit of a nipple of a nose <laughs> so, in the middle. Speaking of candy in the NBA, we have to go to our favorite, Dwight Howard, who was told oh. by his doctor he had to stop eating the equivalent of 24 candy, well, chocolate bars worth of sugar per day. I mean, that's something that's like weirdly common among players in the NBA. Apparently, uh, Meta World Peace, uh, yes. formerly known as Ron Artest, famously spent like the first year or two or something like that in the nba eating literally only candy like how and somebody like saw like you opened up the trunk of his car and it was apparently (laughs) literally just like a bodega snack (laughs) shelf (laughs) um he's ron goddamn artest i don't know how that man is still alive he was like he was like the modern day much more politically correct dennis rodman (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Except Rodman never jumped into the stands to attack a fan, so I said politically correct. <laughs> <laughs> He's not trying to make friends with Kim Jong Un yet, <laughs> or hawk bad Bitcoin alternatives for weed. Is it weed coin or pot coin? Don't answer that because we don't want to give them attention. But I just love that it is clearly no. We a... do because we're looking for sponsors. Oh, that's true. Right. Shout out to pot coin <laughs> or, weed or weed coin, coin. Yeah. or weed coin, whichever one. Yeah, or <laughs> Doge coin. <laughs> Any of the coins. Oh, God. But, coins are a hot yeah, sponsor. Dwight. Dwight Howard is like twice the size of an average person. So that's only like 
12 candy bars of sugar a day. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, the kind of calories he's burning. I mean, it's like Michael. I mean, I love those. His doctor had to tell him you need to stop this. But I love those photos of, like, athletes on cheat day. Like, The Rock with his stack (laughs) of 24 pancakes. This is what The Rock eats for breakfast. Bingo. (laughs) Cheat day for The Rock. Cheat day for Michael Phelps where he goes to McDonald's and just puts down, like, a big smoke level of, like, (laughs) orders. Um Sorry, that relates back to something I pointed out this week, which is Donald Trump apparently claimed that he is the chosen one this past week of news. We're recording this on uh, Monday, August 26th. I think he was saying about relations with North Korea or China or something. In relation to North Korea or China. Um, but he also looked up at the sky when he said the words. Um, <sighs> let's not dig too deeply well, into the religious... Well, that's comforting. <laughs> yeah, let's not dig too deeply into the religious aspect of it, but I do want to point out that literally find... I'm challenging the listeners right now. Find me a character in any book story movie tv show that refers to themselves as the chosen one that isn't the villain even jesus doesn't do that to himself <laughs> um uh. but i do want to flash back to uh the reference that super mario brothers 2 was originally called doki doki panic yeah which is kind of interesting because like and my japanese is super light so again Shout out to the listeners. Help me out here if your Japanese is better than mine, which it isn't hard to be, but I believe Doki Doki refers to the sound your heart makes. Yeah, so it's like heart pumping panic, basically. Yeah, and I always thought that it was meant exclusively in like a cute way because there's a great game uh, that's available on the Steam computer game store that I recommend to listeners if you have, but a trigger warning for depression, self-harm, and suicide um, called Doki Doki Literature Club, but it's just a brilliant fourth-wall-breaking computer game. It's more of a uh, interactive novel hmm. than a game, per se. But yeah, just really brilliant story and just really mind-bending brain fuck of a game that Doki Doki Literature Club, because it plays on the cute aspect of that, how that term mm-hmm. is traditionally used in Japan, is meant to lure you into the aspect of like, oh, you're just playing a cute dating sim with these three <laughs> girls in Literature Club that are falling in love with you and then it gets dark apparently it gets real dark <laughs> uh moving back to dwight howard for a moment okay uh if if you friend, must in front of the show and former co-host henry meyer he once caught some baseball game i don't remember what it was houston obviously and dwight was there wearing a tank top eating nachos and wearing one of those giant foam cowboy hats like when you think uh, Norm Macdonald as Burt Reynolds slash Turd Ferguson on Celebrity Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. He was wearing one of those hats. And Henry's tweet about it went viral, went on like uh, Sports on Earth, I think, and a couple other blogs. And people were just like, this is the most Dwight Howard moment. Mm-hmm. He would show up to a baseball game being near the front row wearing that stupid hat. So the big question... bad for whoever's behind him. <laughs> so I'm here with two Angelino natives, and I mean, I've never really gotten a good, solid answer on this. Why do people in L.A. hate Dwight Howard so much? Aside from his lack of chemistry with Kobe Bryant, that one, I mean, granted, big star of L.A., but what was the, what else is there to hate about him except for the fact that he didn't quite gel with Kobe? Well, I'll defer to Ricky on this, but I don't think it's just an L.A. thing because I think he's been commonly known as Team Cancer around the league. Like, mm-hmm. allegedly, when he was traded from the Atlanta Hawks, there were cheers from the Hawks locker room. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, Ricky? I've I've always kind of been of the school of thought that uh, his work ethic slash desire to be a great basketball player is a little lacking. Mm. And uh, I, I, I compare him to Shaq, where, you know, Shaq maybe wasn't the hardest working player, but he just, like, really – 
got off on dominating people, and that's what yeah. made him so great. And I feel like Dwight just didn't have that killer instinct that mm. would have really put him over mean, the top. I think that's why Shaq and Kobe were ultimately able able to work yeah, together for as long as they did, is because while they didn't have motivation towards the same type of greatness, mm-hmm. they had the right attitude to make them both comparable, mm. wor- have them give them both a comparable work ethic and make them yeah. players together. Kobe was just focused on a much broader sense of greatness, whereas... Mm-hmm. Shaq was focused on, I'm very much more what's in my face. I mean, yeah. Kobe's probably a psychopath, and Shaq knows to relax at times. No, I would <laughs> say, I, I mean, I'm going to be very specific about the word use here. I think that Kobe Bryant is straight up a sociopath. Yeah. And I mean, he's a high-functioning sociopath who managed to ha- be born with, like, straight up superhuman athletic <laughs> abilities. Um, I mean, there are stories about him where he was talking about, like, somebody asked him, like, when did you first figure out that you might be above average or like superlative at this scale and he said oh when i was seven years old i remember playing in like a little league basketball game and he said that he realized that he was the only kid his age that could dribble with both hands and because other kids couldn't he also realized that oh all i have to do is just put pressure on defending them against their right hands Mm -hmm. force them to try to switch dribbling and try to copy me and then i could just strip the ball off of them like no nobody's business and he's like and they were like so the interviewer asked him like so how did you do in that game when you first realized that he said i scored 60 points as a seven-year-old um that's wild yeah like it's not just the level that he was this is like ice cube saying how in uh a good day he was playing a pickup game and messed around got a triple double i refuse to oh on the one hand, I refuse to believe that seven-year-old Kobe Bryant was keeping track of points. But on the other hand, I kind of believe that seven-year-old it, Kobe Bryant might have been keeping track of how many points he scored. Kobe Bryant, because he is a crazy person. If you've ever, if you've ever seen Kobe Bryant talk yeah, about basketball probably. in an interview, he talks about basketball the way Sherlock Holmes, like Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock Holmes, talk about talks about his intelligence. Like Kobe Bryant is that sociopath for basketball. Um, and just the For way basketball he w- and nothing else, nothing yep. else legally that we will mention. Yep. Plus, um, he, plus he had to play with Smush Parker and Chucky Atkins for the <laughs> season. So, you know, <laughs> cut the guy some slack. I mean, we're also, I mean, we're also talking about a guy who like when he had a broken bone, like he had a, literally had a broken arm and he did not know how not to train. Like he did not know how to not go down and shoot shots, even in his pajamas at like four in the morning, like with his offhand. Well documented that the dude is superhuman, like barely slept more than five hours a night because he was just constantly training constantly in the gym all right so we've talked about we've we've talked at length about these pokemon i think we've talked at length about the basketball upcoming lakers season which you'll be hearing more about yeah Um, as it yeah staples is gonna be fun this year for both teams yeah i'm really i really would closing thoughts on that i really hope there's a hallway series uh in the playoffs clippers Mm. versus lakers Mm. um I remember back in New York growing up, whenever the Mets, on the rare occasion, the Mets and the Yankees somehow met off in the, met up in the playoffs, we called it the Subway Series. I think it was only 99, 2000? One of those. That, yeah. Because yeah. I think it was, yeah, 2000. It was pre-9-11. I know right. That. But it was yeah. like, now we're in the post-9-11 world, and the two have never met in a playoff series since. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of them has been huh. terrible. I just love calling huh. everything after 2001 a post-9-11 world. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but uh, yeah, no, I don't think we've ever had the opportunity. I don't think we've like have had the opportunity for a uh, for a hallway series. Well, there were like three we years were, of overlap. We were playoffs, very right? close in I want to say two thousand five or two thousand six when the the Lakers were up three one on the Suns in the first round, mm-hmm. and then they blew that, and the Clippers were waiting on the uh, other side. They oh, went, yeah. they yeah. moved on in the second round. Yeah, and the Lakers would have played them if they had 
Because that was, what, like the first time the Clippers had ever gone further in the playoffs than the Lakers? Probably. Yeah, and I think that was supposed to be, that was like the big talk around the town. Um, yeah. I remember hearing about that. I uh, Other than Lakers still got that twofer in 20, 2009 and 2010. Right. Yeah. But. All right. Podcast NBA prediction from Baloo here. I'm going to say that I do think this year or next year, Give me two years to head mm-hmm. this, but this year or next year, while Kawhi is still locked in on the team, we're going to see a Lakers-Clippers playoff series. Um, I could see that. I'm not going to say which round. Who knows? It could be a first round where they're that separated in the standings, or it could be a Western Conference Finals. Who knows? Clipper, And I'm also saying that I think it's a possibility the Clippers finally make it to the Western Conference Finals. There's that prediction. <laughs> I don't think that's a foregone p- prediction, though. Wow. Um, but we've talked at length about these Pokemon as they exist in their universe. Let's talk about how we would change them. Welcome to Mon Mods. All right, so Mr. Darling, start us off. Mr. Um, Michael Darling. So, yes, thank you. There's only two of us this time. Uh, so you touched on the fact that there are some metallic flourishes to uh, Tauros. I think they should have just gone all in on that in Gen 2 when they introduced the steel type and make it normal slash steel. Give it some steel moves, make it a mm-hmm. little more interesting from that point of view. The design is fine. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, just add the steel typing so that at least it becomes more interesting meta-wise. Yeah, this is, a, this is the odd week where we both try to save the most boring Pokemon of the week because <laughs> I also want to change Tauros, but rather than changing Tauros to reflect its existing design. I kind of wish we could inspire a more interesting design. So I was saying, let's give it the Ponyta treatment, which is, you know, let's give it a secondary type in addition to normal, whether it's fire, dark, or fairy were the three that kind of came to mind for me. And then let's give it some more design flourishes to reflect that secondary typing. Like if it's a fairy type, let's put some pink in it or some hearts or whatever bullshit makes it a fairy. Just um, dress it up for Valentine's Day. Yeah, there you go. Make it a Valentine. <laughs> make it a Valentine bowl. Um, Ricky, how would you change any of these Pokemon today that you think would improve them in some kind of way? I still think that Pinsir having lips would be a vast improvement. That sounds even more terrifying. Are we talking like voluptuous lips? Or are we just talking yeah. like pronounced lips? Yeah. Like good, good DSLs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that was a quick one. God, Pinsir with lips. That's a phrase I didn't need in my life. All right, so we've talked about the Pokemon as they exist in their world. Let's talk about them in our world. Welcome to Mon's World. A celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. This is my All right, so, Rixer, you want to start this one off? Pinsir just seems like the kind of scary creature you'd find in, like, Florida somewhere that like, <laughs> doesn't exist in the rest of the country, but is just rampant there, and it's like a normal thing. Yeah, it just somehow knows when it reaches the panhandle and just stops. Like, so you're yep. saying it's Floridamon. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with that. I like that take. It's like the coconut crab of the United States. The coconut crab only exists in Florida. Weird in Florida. I don't know why. Huh. It's oh. just good self-awareness. <laughs> just humidity, maybe? I mean, what maybe. things like humidity? The elderly, apparently. Florida jokes. <laughs> uh, Brought to you by... Florida jokes. <laughs> Brought, Brought to you, you by, by Depends. <laughs> Another sponsor, Depends. We will wear you on air. <laughs> All right. Uh, Lapras, I think, would be a water taxi because it is incredibly associated with the move Surf. Like, the Gen 2 surfing sprite was based on Lapras. And X and Y, normally, if you're surfing on a Pokemon, it would just be a generic kind of, like, fish-looking shadow that you'd be riding on. But if you were riding on Lapras, you had a special Lapras model that you would see in the game. 
Uh, it's literally the transportation Pokemon. Yeah, so the one thing I want to add to that is, uh, in addition to Ricky's note about Pinsir being kind of a uh, Floridian, um, <laughs> one of. of my favorite stories, and I kind of point, I kind of referenced this episodes ago uh, when we brought up the ca- the invasive catfish species episode. But one of my favorite dumb human stories is whenever they, whenever there's a pest of some kind in an ecosystem. And human beings think, well, we'll just introduce this animal into the ecosystem to combat the pest. And then that animal becomes the new bigger pest. <laughs> and it's just like a series of like an, an ecosystem arms race. I think Pinsir would be introduced somewhere like New York City to combat the like <laughs> overwhelming rat population. And then you would just have it be where like Central Park is quarantined because you <laughs> cannot possibly enter Central Park without a pincer just eviscerating you while you're trying to jog around the reservoir or grab a hot dog or something. <laughs> um, but that's the one additional note I had on everything. Um, oh, actually, no. One more thing is that you would get weather warnings the kind of same way you get jellyfish warnings on beaches for beach days you'd get warnings about magikarp being at the beach in case like Mm. a stray swimmer kicking a magikarp in the face makes it evolve into like gyarados (laughs) um but aside from that um i think these pokemon would be fairly uh fairly predictable and nothing too fancy to worry about i just realized we forgot something earlier Mm. about tauros we forgot one of our favorite segments Ash Ketchum being a dumbass. Oh, yeah. So we've referenced this one on the show several times already, which is the fact that in the episode where Ash goes to the Safari Zone, and I missed this episode when I was a kid. Well, because it was banned in America because the Safari Zone owner straight up points a gun at Ash. Oh. Yeah. It was pre-Columbine, so it was all right. Yeah, it's weird. Happy Saturday morning. It's weird that in America we would care about showing somebody pointing a gun at people like crazy. I don't see any reflection of that in our governance, our laws, or our gun regulation, or lack of reform. So why would that matter in a kid's cartoon? (laughs) Fuck you, GOP. There we go. (laughs) Um, Ricky, do you remember that episode? Did you catch it the one time they aired it in America? (laughs) Do you remember watching it? I don't think it ever actually aired in the States. Okay. Okay. We were were pretty on top of uh, the early episodes, at least. Well, because there were three that were quote-unquote banned. Hmm. Uh, one was the Porygon one that gave kids in Japan seizures. I remember that. Yeah, this one. Uh, and then one where I don't even remember what the Monster of the Week was, but for some reason it involves a beauty contest and James wears artificial breasts. Oh, yeah, I think it was... Um... And so that one was banned as well, but they released it one time only as the lost episode with lots of obvious edits and they didn't bother to translate all of the Japanese signage mm. that they normally would. Uh, yeah, so those were the three banned ones from the original run. And that's why we never saw Ash waste all of his Safari Zone balls on 30 Tauroses. Yeah, because I'm sure it had to be some kind of like a deus ex machina thing where he managed to catch up. Anyway, yeah. he caught 30, 30 Tauros. We've mentioned this before in other episodes, but... Somehow being a dumbass, he just manages to fall ass backwards into a herd of Tauros, <laughs> which he never trains, but he still uses one to magically win an entire round of, like, the Pokemon, like, league, league. tournament. Yeah. yeah. Every so often we'd see Professor Oak just like, and your Tauroses are still here. And we're like, where did those come from? Yeah, they just showed up randomly at the po- around the Pokemon League. But, yeah, so there's Ash continuing to be a dumbass. I'm yes. sure that'll... We'll definitely find more of those for you, but... 
for now, let's. I'm glad let... I remembered that because that is probably the most important feature of this pod. Mm -hmm. But for now, let's uh, let's get out of this Ash being a dumbass infuriating phase, and let's get to my favorite segment of every episode: Mon Appetit. Oh. Maybe you like my personal crack medicine. Mm -hmm. Surprise. So bring us home with one of the Pokemon of the day that you would cook, how you would like it prepared, Mr. Darling, the senior. Well, we should all eat less beef for the sake of the planet, but Tauros would make a damn fine burger. Do like, we know for a fact that Tauros is, in fact, beef? I would so, I mean, assume it's beef equivalent. What? And so long as it's... I'm thinking a bison or bovine-like creature yeah. that large. Like bison burgers, you know, you get, you'd get you get red meat of some kind from it. I don't know how tender or juicy the meat might be, but I'd imagine it's I'd imagine that's going to be really lean because it looks like an active hyper. Oh, yeah. It's whipping itself into frenzies every day. <laughs> it's always running. It's staying lean. Yeah. Yeah. What if it's a somehow uh, more eco-friendly beef alternative? And you don't even have, like, a lot of... You, it's not a steel type. It's just straight normal type. So you don't have to worry about yeah. it being too tough or gamey. I mean, you just have to worry about the horns. But who eats the horns anyway? There you go. You get the flank. Yeah. Get that flank grounded yeah. up. Mm, I think there's some good meat on those bones. I just picture a nice, thick Toro steak. Mm -hmm. I, I think yeah. you could do very well with that. Yeah. You want that with uh, with steak fries or a little garlic mash, you thinking? Ooh. Ooh. What kind of guy I, are you? Kind of like a potatoes au gratin. Ooh, yeah. that's fancy yeah. man. I um, I actually had uh, I hate being this guy at a restaurant, but <laughs> I was out to dinner last night. I ordered I ordered a meal, and on the menu it said that it was served with garlic mash. And then when the meal was served, it got served with roasted potatoes, which <gasps> I like roasted potatoes just fine. But it's one of those things where if you're expecting garlic mash, I had to be that guy and say to the waitress, like, I'm really sorry, but where's the garlic mash? And she was like, Oh, we knocked that off menu ages ago i said well it's still says so on the menu like and it's just disappointing like i was like you if you go into the kitchen and make them no garlic I, up i did not ask you? them to tell me that they actually just caught me a drink and i said that that was more than enough but i just told them like it was a, that was honestly a decision maker for me where if you're expecting mashed potatoes and you have to settle for roasted potatoes and doing all that extra chewing <laughs> that is work <laughs> i did not think i was gonna have to uh, do people I think I should have at least been warned and given, like, the foreknowledge of, like, hey, listen, we don't have these mashed potatoes. Are you sure you still want this dish? You know what? I can do that extra work. Sure. Don't just surprise me with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not the biggest mashed potatoes fan. Really? really? I love potatoes in pretty much all forms. It's not even a matter of, like, getting a good gravy or sauce going with it? it, it I think it's just there's not much substance there see that's what it is it's that you have to treat the mashed potatoes itself as a condiment i have been to 20 odd thanksgivings with you and you've been eating mashed potatoes well, at every one our mother makes excellent mashed potatoes so that's an exception but, shout out to mama darling but a good i i would be pleasantly surprised if i was expecting garlic mash and i was graced with a bevy of roasted potatoes on my plate Again, you're a strange little man. My recommendation to the listeners, if you're not the biggest fan of mashed potatoes, I want you to, the next time you have mashed potatoes on your plate, do not look at the mashed potatoes as a side dish. Look at them as a uh, condiment of sorts. Oh, yeah. Like, put them on the other things on your dish. Like, they are meant to, like, add texture and coating and, like, complement flavors rather than be their own thing yeah, necessarily. I can appreciate that. Yeah, my Thanksgiving tradition is... We have dinner at 3 o'clock. That's just what we do for that's, Thanksgiving. That's what you do all the time, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> only red when lobster. there's a red lobster. Only when red we lobster have, and Thanksgiving. Only Cheddar when we have a red lobster <laughs> gift card. 
and my girlfriend is being picked up at the airport at 3.30. Yeah. In and my you know. defense, it's usually technically breakfast. And <laughs> yeah. over. Yeah. So we have dinner at 3 o'clock, the darlings do, for Thanksgiving. And then around 9-ish, I go into the fridge, make up a plate, and put a little bit of turkey, a little bit of corn, a little bit of mashed potatoes all on a roll. And it's a delicious little sandwich. The, that is the nice thing about the mashed potatoes. It is kind of the glue of the meal that kind of yeah. brings everything oh, together. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I appreciate that. So speaking of a little bit of uh, food cohesion, I did some research into Magic Carp and what it was inspired by in terms of what kind of fish. Because I'm a sushi fan, as I've pointed out on previous episodes, but my favorite sushi is salmon. But there's some other fish that, well, I'm okay with them or like them. I'm not the biggest fan of every type of fish on a sushi menu. So what fish is Magic Carp based on? Asian carp. Which I've never, I don't know if I've ever had Asian carp before, but I looked it up, and apparently because of because of Asian carp's diet, um, it eats plankton and not other fish. So it actually has a very a much softer, less fishy type of taste than other fish we might expect. But because of that, uh, the, re- the quick research I did pointed out that it's really good in saucier, more flavorful, spicy meals. Um, so I immediately jumped to a yellow... Uh, magic carp curry in huh. you know thai food style so serve that to me over white rice put it with some uh, potatoes ricky loves, it. ricky loves them non-mashed potatoes <laughs> just talking dice <laughs> just dice them up slice some carrots for me and uh throw mm. that in the yellow thai curry with a little bit of coconut milk on it to make it nice and saucy and uh eat that over rice put yeah. some uh duck with stick satay <laughs> on the side for me poor duck with stick and a little bit of peanut sauce and good to go well, there is that moment canonically in the show where Ash and Brock are thinking about food, and we see them thinking about a chopped up and kind of sushied magic carp with the head and tail still on. I might add. Oh yeah, they were they were straight up gonna eat like a magic carp, like grilled ma- magic carp, like salmon steak. But that I still want that uh, that yellow curry. Um, mm-hmm. Last time I had Thai food, I had drunken noodles, so I think I want to go back to a curry next time. Hmm. All right, but that brings us home. Ricky, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for of making course. this uh, family affair. This thanks week. for thanks for doubling the uh, darling in the room. Yeah, we finally outnumbered them, or yeah, tied them, I guess. Evened it up. Yeah, evened up the scoreboard, field coverage. Um, Ricky, where can people find you? What have you got going on? If you've got anything to plug, that's a great question. I'm more of a podcast listener than a podcaster. Since we've name-checked a few, feel free to shout out some podcasts you like. So, yeah, instead of telling people where they can find me, uh, podcasts I enjoy, the Bill Simmons podcast. Hey. And, um, yeah, I, I listen to a lot <laughs> That's of that. It. That's See, I've always one. wondered how Angelinos feel about Bill Simmons because he takes every opportunity to shit on the Lakers. See, he I, chose to live out here. He, True. He did. And, and he has season tickets to the Clippers. Yeah. <laughs> and I well, think because he, he's a Celtics guy. He's uh he is a homer, but I think he also you know will uh, give LA its due when it's warranted. He's a pretty good journalist, I will say that. Yeah. He's been shitting on the Lakers for most of the free agency moves, but it's been fairly justified. Like he hasn't been able to. He's been able to back up most of it. Yeah. As, like very valid. Like here, the, here's the data. Here's the stats. Like he's also one of those people where it, even if he's talking to someone I have no interest in or haven't heard of, I'll still listen because it'll still be entertaining. Yeah, he's really good. He's just a really good interviewer. Yeah. Remember um, how his HBO show failed, but the pilot was amazing because it had Ben Affleck clearly drunk on it? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was legendary. God. 
I mean, I remember he recently, well, not recently, like I think it was a couple months ago, he interviewed Denzel Washington. And Denzel Washington, I don't know if this is like well-known, but he can be a very reticent interview subject. Mm -hmm. And Bill, he was absolutely that for Bill Simmons. And Bill still managed to carry him through and make a fairly interesting like 40-minute segment out of it. Which like, if I were sitting there and an interview subject were doing that with me, I would just be crying. Like I would cry in front of Papa Denzel, and that would be the end of it. And wow. I would hope I would hope that he would still say, "Hey, my man." <laughs> That's all I'd want my out man. of the interviews for Denzel to give me a classic <laughs> Denzel Washington, my man. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. But yeah. Ricky, thanks for coming on. Let's Thank make this a fam. Let's have a family day again. Some sometime. Yeah, family oh. day. Yeah, let's have family day every every generation. Let's have yeah. one family day per generation. We'll pick some weird Pokemon for you next time. Well, given that I only work about 70 feet below you, you it's not too hard for me to get over here. Yeah. Behind the scenes podcasting for you, Ricky, actually works in the same building that I do where we record the podcast. Um, So, yeah, he's just an elevator right away. He could just be, uh, gosh, who was that? Bob um, Hope. No, I'm not thinking of Bob Hope. There, uh, Tony. Oh, no. I'm thinking about the. He was on the Hope original was Parsons odd... emergency guest. Yeah, so it was. Um, I'm thinking of a guy. I think it was uh, the Tonight Show for David Letterman's emergency guest Tony. He was on the. He was one of the original Odd Couple actors. Oh, oh, uh, not Tony Randall. Tony um, Randall. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, Tony Randall was just like infamous for like literally one time he went on the Dave Letterman show while he was in the middle of running one night to get his exercise <laughs> in and he came in in his jogging gear. Oh, God. Um, and I just remember they played like the highlights of like his best like last minute show, like appearances on the show. And one of them, he was in jogging gear with a headlamp because <laughs> he was in Riverside Park when he got the call. Um, See, this takes the pressure off framing me as the emergency guest because now next time I'm on, people are just think, oh, someone else canceled. At least they got him. It'll just be, it'll just be, yeah. From now on, we've set that up. As Where a were you now. last week? <laughs> just like I think it would be great if we just had you on because another guest had to leave early, even. <laughs> so like someone walks out and we say, Ricky, you still here? You want to come up for a? You know, we're talking about. We can just straight up TV. tell people like you only have to come on for the first half hour for Mon Mom and the first two Pokemon. We can get Ricky. Guys, we've always got Ricky. Don't worry. We've about always it. Got we play Ricky. his closer music. And if, he, <laughs> and if he starts demanding payment on his yeah. contract, we can just say, "Hey, your brother will give you a ride home." They they, they call me the Mariano <laughs> Rivera of podcasting. Uh, yeah, you can find me on the internet at Future Has Been on Twitter and LA Non Confidential on Instagram where I post cool L.A. shit. All right, and I said this earlier in the episode, but you can follow the Mon Men podcast pages on Twitter at Mon Men Pod. We have a page on Facebook now. Uh, you can follow me individually for updates on different writing projects, novels, different things, and Cordelia picks. Uh, both of my handles on Instagram and Twitter are Y, W-H-Y underscore Baloo, B-A-L-L-O-O. And that brings us to the end of the show. So Doesn't Cordy have her own account somewhere? You've asked this before on the show, and I've reiterated that that was a part of my stint as an unemployed man (laughs) for two months last year where I was spending nothing but time with my dog, so I created her own Instagram account. Um, That is now defunct. But it's still up there, right? No, it's defunct. Oh, you deleted it? Yeah, completely deleted it. All right, then. Never mind. Yeah. I will ask you about this again, and hopefully the answer will change. Oh, yeah. Is is that supposed to be encouragement to restart it? Um, Probably. Okay, fine. Um, but that being said, add I, 40 picks with an X. That being said, I am United Blue. Ricky Darling. Michael Darling. Thanks for being here. Let's get it.
I'm a man.